Welcome to Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists and community builders every weeknight at six. I'm Rashawn Leak. Tonight, I've got a special guest, Teresa Martinez, the professor of rock and roll herself. We're going to talk about the state of the world as reflected in music over the past decades. But also today, are artists still talking about the revolution? Are they tackling social justice? Are there new leaders emerging as a result? Joining me for the show is Radioactive's Laura Jones. Hey, Rashawn, how you doing? What's going on, Laura? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm really excited because I know you're going to have a great conversation with the professor. I just wanted to jump in and, and offer up a couple of things. January 15th is Martin Luther King's birthday. Of course, we'll be observing it as a federal holiday on Monday. And I wanted to get on everyone's radar a couple of things that they could take part in or observe either in real life or virtually. Going on from the 13th of January through February 9th, Westminster College has a variety of events unfolding, and particularly the Bastion Diversity Lecture, The Unknown Realities of a Community Activist, which is happening on February 9th. Go to the Rallies and Resources page, and you can get the details to sign up for that, as well as the full slate of planned activities by Westminster College. Now, at the University of Utah, their theme this year is Becoming the Beloved Community, something that Dr. King spoke of often and passionately as a nonviolent, just society where love and trust triumph over fear and hatred. Their observance runs the 15th of January through the 21st. And again, in Rallies and Resources, a link to their full slates. There are marches planned. I'm still kind of waiting to see what's happening with COVID if they're going to go through with them. But you can get those links on our website. The Benyon Center at the University of Utah will mark Martin Luther King Day on Saturday with a service project from 9 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. They have a variety of things that you can sign up for and over 500 volunteer spots on campus, off-campus, self-directed. So again, rallies and resources on krcl.org for that link. And I do want to point out one event in particular with the University of Utah, and that is they're Becoming the Beloved Community, a conversation about Alberta Henry and Black life in Salt Lake City. It's Tuesday, a week from today, at noon on Facebook Live. You'll find out all about Alberta Henry, a devoted civil rights activist, educator, and community leader in Salt Lake City. You'll find out all the history there in this one event online. Oh, and one more. Reframing the Conversation 2045 Toward a More Diverse Future. And we, of course, are planning to carry this on Radioactive in the future, but it's happening at noon online on Wednesday, January the 19th. That's part of the Reframing the Conversation series with equity, diversity, and inclusion at the University of Utah. So those are just a few of the ideas. Uh, typically, Martin Luther King Day has been turning into a day of service, Rashawn. Do you, do you all do anything in your family? Yeah, well, pre-COVID, we uh, we used to go up to the U and do the march that was from, was it, uh, started at the Sin at East High School and went down to, I believe, a Bravino Hall. So I don't know. We're keeping we're keeping our ears perked, you know, with the whole uh, pandemic around us. So we're going to see if it makes sense. But other than that, we uh, what we have done is the my place of employment does a challenge to all employees. And we'll reenact the march to Selma. So you try and get the mileage, the the 20 plus miles walked and and you just try and get that. So that's fun. So we'll we'll ride bikes and walk around the neighborhood just to to show our uh, our solidarity. Yeah. And those marches, I'm waiting to hear if they're going to still going to happen, given COVID in our community. You're right. So we'll let folks know. But details are on the rallies and resources page. So with your conversation coming up um, later with uh, Professor Teresa Martinez, I thought this would be a good time for us to answer the questions that Tamrika Kaptisiashvili, the uh, co-host emeritus of Radioactive's Roundtable Tuesday, <laughs> love it. sent us from Uzbekistan. So we're going to play that, then you and I are going to answer it, okay? Oh, I love it. I love it. All right. All I'm right. in. Here's the questions, the dispatch from Uzbekistan with Tamrika Kaptisiashvili. This is Tamrika, co-host of Tuesday Radioactive with Rishan Leek, currently in hiatus because I find myself in Uzbekistan, where America is still a somewhat mysterious and faraway place for most people. As I meet strangers on the street and speak with colleagues at work, the questions are persistent. What is America? What is it really like over there? So I thought, why not pass the questions to you, fellow Americans? 
over KRCL Radio Waves. Hi, my name is Tamila and I'm from Uzbekistan. And my question is, how do you think, why do people around the world want to go and see America? What do you think America's most cultural value is? From my point of view, freedom is most important for you. Does it mean you are completely freedom or is there something limited that you want to unlimit? Hi, my name is Dilbar and I am from Uzbekistan. What is the biggest change in the USA that you like most? Hello, I am Botar from Uzbekistan. My question is, do you have the areas or states in the USA which are suffering from the lack of electricity, gas or these kinds of circumstances? Are both genders are equal in America? What makes you happy and sometimes unhappy being American? What's the difference between the President Joe Biden and Donald Trump? What does religious freedom mean in your society? I know that healthcare is expensive in the US. What if a person has no money? Will they just die? Do you think it's possible to stop racism among humans? If yes, what suggests would you give? How can I go to the USA um, except winning the lottery game green card? Can you justify the position of your government policy towards other small nations? If you had a chance, would you change your country forever and why? My name is Gulfayo. I want to know about one thing. Are American children proud of their history and ancestors? For example, in our country, in Uzbekistan, children are proud of their history and their great ancestors. What about American children? Hi, my name is Helen. If I immigrate to America, how do you think what um, difficulties I will, will face this? How did America become a great country? Do Americans welcome newcomers from different countries and cultures? For example, if, they, uh, if newcomers make some mistakes, uh, what do Americans do? Uh, will they be offended or do, do they welcome any mistakes and just correct it? What do most American people do after work? One day definitely I will visit America. I would love to visit America as a tourist only. And uh, uh, But I wonder always like so many people are applying for green card lottery um, and uh, I'm just wondering how can American government provide them with the job when there are so many people who are suffering from unemployment uh, around the world and even in America also there are so many people who are unemployed. How often do people cook their meals by themselves in US? Are older people are respected by younger people or not? Do you really wear shoes at home? What's the most common job in US? I know that American people are really friendly. I'd like to know uh, what, what friendship qualities do most Americans appreciate? As I know, many Americans like to visit um, countries. So, as you are a traveler, my question is, what can't you travel without? My name is Otebek and uh, uh, I'm wondering, uh, like, uh, I like watching American movies and uh, uh, whenever I watch, I see people uh, drinking too much beer. And is it normal in real life also? According to our religion, it's very important and essential to care about the other world after this. My question is that, have you ever thought about the other world? How is the interaction between mother-in-law and daughter-in-law in your country? Do old people in America live alone? 
خود تو اکسکیری بره بعد زن Can you tell me why are you living in this world? What is your main function? And Rishan, those are the questions. Those are good. I, I, I love it. I mean, it, it makes sense, Laura. I mean, if you're not familiar with our culture and all you see is whether it be news or, or media or magazines, man, there's got to be so many unanswered questions brimming. Let's do a lightning round, shall we? I wrote down the all questions. Right, let's do it. Here's the first one. I think it was from Damila in Uzbekistan. Why do people around the world want to go and see America? Well, rock and roll, right? <laughs> it's, I mean, rock and roll is number one. We have we have some big buildings. It's I would say if I had to really guess, though, like being all like joking aside, I think it's because of our movies. Yeah. You know, we have so many beautiful places depicted. You know, pre 9/11, we had the Twin Towers. We you you see so many of what bridges that are captured, the Golden Gate Bridge, things like that. It just makes you want to see all these places that you've seen on screen. Plus food and culture oh. and uh, national parks, I think, are always a big draw. We know that here in Utah. Okay, next question. What do you think America's most cultural, most important cultural value is? Oh. Is it that shining uh, beacon on a hill? Is it that notion of freedom that we so often fail to live up to? I I don't know. I, you know, as a person from Jersey, I want to say it's the Statue of Liberty because that's what I've always saw when I was going into New York. But I don't know if we even hold those values the same anymore. But so yeah. it's hard to say. That's the that's the I think that's the American struggle to live up to our values. And mm-hmm. you're going to talk to the uh, professor rock and roll about that too. Another one was: Does it mean we are completely free if uh, freedom is important to us, or is there something that we need to unlimit? Is how I think the questioner put it. No, I th- I think I think the minute you become aware of things around you, you recognize that freedom isn't really free. Mm-hmm. It's it's a it's a constant fight and it's a battle yeah. and, and it's a battle. And the more and the more we give and the more we allow, it's the more we give our freedoms away. You yeah, know, you got to fight for it. It's a balance. You you bet. Okay, another question here. What is the biggest change in the USA that you like most? Mail-in voting. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Let's go. I, honestly, as somebody outside of getting that sticker, because I do love I my love sticker, it, yeah. Laura. They put it in mail-in, the mail now. Yeah, yeah that's true. Mail-in voting is huge. It's mm-hmm. huge because, you know, I have a lot of friends and family who are military, and that's what I think of. Yeah, well, and there's there's now, I don't know how many bills, last count across the country, restricting mail-in voting, and there's a push to end it here and push us back to day of only, in-person, paper ballots. I just don't think that's going to happen, but that's another conversation. No. Do you have areas or states in the USA that are suffering from the lack of electricity, gas, et cetera? Yep. Yep, Here absolutely. in Utah, here in southern Utah, on reservation lands, on um, tribal sovereign lands that are still our responsibility. Um, we still have those problems, especially water. Dig Deep is a nonprofit working on that, not only in um, tribal lands, but uh, across the country. I remember, what was it? Was it, was it Bobby Kennedy that launched one of his uh, campaigns in Appalachia? Yep, it and was Bobby. There you go. Are both genders equal in America? It's according to who you ask, but if you, <laughs> but since you're asking me, I'd say no. I mean, I, I want it to be. You know, here, here's here's a case in point. I'm not even go. I'm not even gonna go political with this. I'm gonna just say, ask any woman who works super early in the morning who takes public transportation. Ask them if they think the same things as men. No, it is not the same. They, mm-hmm. There's there's things that our women, our friends who are opposite gender, have to think about that we that we don't and it's yeah. part of the privilege of being a male you don't mm-hmm. have to think about it and i think about it because i ha- i'm married i think about it because i have female friends i think i have i think about it because i have friends who who align or who uh damn i came oh i said damn, damn. that's all right <laughs> but no so it's it's not the same it, it's not and i i i would love for it to be but no women women do not get their fair shout outs in this country and and i'm hoping that we as we our generations grow older we we get it right but right now it's not right well and that's just the question of gender then there's um race class ability right all of that and that's where i talk you know when i was mentioning earlier how often we fail to live up to the ideals of our country yeah. okay here's another one what makes you happy or unhappy sometimes being american Oh, being American. I was going to say, this is easy. It's my kids. They're my biggest joys and my biggest frustrations. <laughs> but it is being American. All right. 
being American, what makes me happy, you know, I, I, that that we might not be fully free, but we are freer than most. Yeah. You know, and that I can I can just get in my car and drive a thousand miles east without without really any worries. You know, maybe maybe am I going to run out of gas, but no real but no real worries, no real checkpoints. I don't have to show IDs and things like that. So mm-hmm. so it's that that makes me that that's a comfort. It's a comfort that I don't have to worry about. Okay, continuing our lightning round of questions from our friends in Uzbekistan as collected by Tamrika Kavtisiashvili. Here's the next one. What's the difference between President Joe Biden and Donald Trump? Phone a friend. Pass. I was not even going. No, no, we're not going there. We're not going there. (laughs) But I guess I'll say this. Politicians are politicians, right? Yep. And I think we're going to talk about this a bit with the professor as well. And so it's really hard for me to say to someone in Uzbekistan, what is the difference aside from kind of, you know, the basic party platform, et cetera, because politicians are politicians. What does religious freedom mean in your society? Uh, So religious freedom to me is I can choose to worship who I want to worship. I mean, and if anybody listening is on Reddit, you know, it's wild out there. So, like, you know, I mean, you know what? We have Judaism, Christianity, Mormonism. And then and then there's all different sects of that, even within Catholicism. I think the fact that you could just worship who you want. I mean, you know, we even have the Church of Satan, like, you know, and people don't fully understand what that is and they immediately go to like oh satanism they're cutting animals up and doing sac- blood worshiping and that's not the case you know mm-hmm. until you actually do some research you realize that it, it's it's not like having all these free religions is beautiful it's a beautiful thing mm-hmm. whatever you subscribe to there's a place for you all right here's a couple more i don't know if we're gonna get to all of them but i'm gonna pick a all few right. more here i know healthcare is expensive in the u.s what if the person <clears throat> has no money will they just die and you know all the arguments about Obamacare, the Affordable Care yep. Act. There would be death panels. I say there are already death panels. It's called yep, insurance. There is. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you yeah, afford no. it. <laughs> yeah, it's you won't die, but you will never, never get your own money again. I think there's ways to be broke. Yeah. You know, so Man. so no, by by law, they have to take you in. in Emergency room, yeah. That's Emergency rooms to have answer. to take you, but man, that bill. Once once it's no longer considered life threatening, they can show you the door. And we do have scandals of patient dumping and, you know, Mm -hmm. the whole covid response thing. Who's paying for it all? And when does the government stop paying for it? I started getting a letter from my insurance company saying, as of this date, we're going to go to your copays, things like that. So, you know, um, that's the challenge. And if a society is measured by its mercy, how we take care of our widows and orphans, the, the sick unsheltered and the unsheltered says a lot about what kind of country we are. Do you think it's possible to stop racism among humans? And if yes, what are your suggestions? That is a great question. I, I, I think I don't, I don't think so only because as humans, we're always looking to differentiate ourselves. We're always looking for a level up. And so if if it wasn't race, it'd be classism. If it wasn't classism, it'd be something else. There's always there's always going to be something that fills that gap between us versus them. Yeah. Can you justify your country's policy toward other small nations? No. Next question. No. No. <laughs> if you that's that's flipping. But you know, um, that's and that's an interesting concept in a representative democracy, right? Yeah. The people we elect make the policies and then enact them. And they, these are our policies. They're not the governments. That's one of my biggest Mm -mm. complaints about our social discourse is the government's the problem. Well, it's we, the people. So we, the people are at bleep and fault. Yeah. With who we elect, et cetera. Okay. Just a couple more. One that I thought was funny is do you, the way she phrased it too, is do you wear your shoes at home? (laughs) Are you a uh, household so that takes off your shoes, Rashad? Uh, I am wearing my shoes <laughs> right now. Me too. But it, it also comes down to, see, I, I don't know if they have what we would call Legos in Uzbekistan and have they ever <laughs> stepped on a Lego in Uzbekistan because they wouldn't be, they'd be wearing shoes too, yeah, Laura. Yeah. Let me just put a couple together. How often do people cook meals by themselves? Do you respect your elders? Um, I've seen in movies that you guys drink a lot of beer. Is that the same in real life? So what would you, and and that's what we're going to get into um, with the professor is how American values, they are transmitted through our popular culture, Rashawn. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. And, 
And I think, you know, those are all great questions. And it's, you know, I mean, general, if we're going to generalize, they're all yes. Yes. As a culture, we drink a lot of beer because we are, we're very sports driven culture and and it's a negative. It's because we treat our politics like that. We're like, Oh, we won. We lost, you know, it's, and, but every Sunday, every Saturday for the game, you know, you load up. So yeah. Do we treat our elders right? I'd say for the most part we do, but you know, there's, there's things, there's times that people, people aren't as, they're, they're not as hospitable to our older folks as they should be. Well, those are just some of the questions submitted to Radioactive by Tamrika Kaptisiashvili, who I wish all the best to. She's over in Uzbekistan, which is right close to Kazakhstan, shares a right border with door. Kazakhstan. So please be safe, and we look forward to your next dispatch. What did you think, Rishan? I loved it. I, You know, it, it's always fun. I mean, what our role is to talk, you know, and, and fill the airs. Fill the airways with our thoughts, whether, you know, everybody appreciates them or not. Uh, and that's that's a fun one. Yeah, I think we I should like get it. more get more little like <laughs> dispatches with people just asking us random things. Oh, once we can get our arms around this pandemic for good, hopefully we can get back oh, in the community with with the microphone. You can always email us your questions, comments or suggestions. Use the voice memo on your smartphone so we can play it, too. And be sure to set it on the highest quality setting and then email it to radioactive at krcl.org. When we come back, Rashawn's going to go one-on-one with Teresa Martinez, the professor of rock and roll at the University of Utah. And Rashawn, I was thinking we should start with a Ma Rainey tune to uh, get us there. Ooh, what do you yeah. think? I think that's spot on. I think that is so spot on. Often called the mother of the blues, this song is C.C. Ryder. Here's Ma Rainey on KRCL. I'm so happy. The Utah Black Artists Collective connects and showcases artists of color throughout the state. The nonprofit also offers a mentorship program for young artists of color. More details at ublack.org. That's U-B-L-A-C dot org. I'm spending my time in my musical laboratory in the treehouse in the backyard, preparing for Saturday Sagebrush Serenade. Join me at 10 a.m. on Saturday as we go barreling down the sagebrush trail, right here on KRCL. On the stand field of clover. Welcome back to Radioactive and Roundtable Tuesdays. I'm Rashawn Leak. Coming up at seven, Democracy Now! Vagabond Radio with Barbie at eight. Connor's Late Night Lowdown starts at 10.30. Chovy's Super Sounds at one o'clock. All of our programming and the radioactive archives may be found online at krcl.org. All right. Recently, I had the chance to go one-on-one with Professor Teresa Martinez of the University of Utah, where she's an associate professor of sociology. For listeners of Radioactive, you'll recognize her as the professor of rock and roll. Every spring, and this year is no different, she teaches undergrads about race and class through the loudspeakers that is rock and roll, and class started this week. Professor Martinez, welcome. Hello, hello. How are you? It's good to see you and good to be here. And thank you for for, uh, giving me the opportunity. Of course, of course. I I mean, you know, obviously, you know how we do on Radioactive. (laughs) So so how is it? I mean, this is I looked at your syllabus. I pulled it up and I'll be honest. Where were you when I was an undergrad undergrad back in Jersey? I this (laughs) is a class I would have I would have gotten the full legs. I don't know. I might. I might have been a sociology major. Hey, I wish you I wish you could have been in my classes. I would have loved to have uh, I would have loved to have been there. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So so as we gear up for another MLK day yeah. and I, I can't help but pause and think about how far we've really come. And I think I think your class kind of speaks of it. Like, you know, like jokingly, I talked about you know pulling up the syllabus, but it really you really cover a lot of some serious grounds. I mean, where does it start back in slavery? Like, where does it start and where does it finish? This class starts with the enslavement of African peoples and which is which is where blues was birthed, which was where jazz was birthed. And by the way, rock and roll is, of course, for those of your listeners who don't know it, rock and roll is a child of the blues. It's a child of the blues. So much so that most rock artists have started by playing the blues. Everybody from Ozzy Osbourne and the Beatles to Black Flag have been playing 
the blues. And where does the class end? Well, I do my best to do the last 30 years in two days. It's really tough. <laughs> I bet. I bet. So, so, I mean, what is it about music? What is it about our modern day poets that just have their finger on the pulse with what's going on with society? Well, it's really impressive what our modern artists are doing because they're hearkening back to, you know, folks like Ma Rainey and Robert Johnson. You know, they're they're speaking truth to power. We're talking about people like Tom Rillo. We're talking about people like Kendrick Lamar. We're talking about people like I mean, honestly, a lot of this is coming out of punk and hip hop, to be honest, mm -hmm. and and uh, and and rock in terms of. You know, there are rock artists as well, but I mean, Tom Murillo kind of bridges that hip hop rock gap, right? Yeah. So, um, so really beautifully. And, and by the way, there's a lot of new young artists that are talking about these things. And not only are they doing it in their music, but they're doing it in their activism. Folks like Phoebe Bridgers, folks like, and by the way, I was going to bring up Christine and the Queens, you know, um, uh, Eloise Letizia, who is a French artist, who's really talking about queer issues. So this activism really runs the gamut. It's really exciting. It really does. You, I mean, you mentioned Tom Morello. So, yes. I mean, I, I, I'm going to throw it out there. I'm going to throw it out there. I'm, <laughs> I'm expecting all my listeners to know where he's from. But just in case, this is our guy from Rage Against the Machine. And I mean, this when we talk about Rage Against the Machine, the, the corporate America is the machine, for lack of a better, you know, lack of a better description. But he has a he has some articles that he writes for Times for the Times. And it's it's so fascinating. You know, I, I say fascinating, but I don't think that's the right term. You know, when I hear music from Raising Against the Machine, granted, they haven't been together in 15, 20 years. But it, the, the thing that strikes me funny is that the topics that they sing about are so prevalent today. What like why is it that it, it has fallen upon our musicians and poets to take the place that should be that that you would expect our politicians to be. Our, now, granted, our politicians aren't songwriters, but the issues that we are talking about that they should be the ones marching and they should be the ones holding the flags. And sometimes it feels like they're not. Well, Rishan, can I tell you that that has always been the case since the blues? It's been the artists who have been willing to voice the struggle and speak the truth. And it's partly because I hate to say it, people haven't had lead, leaders haven't had the will, they haven't had the integrity. I'm just going to say that straight up. And also because politics is such a nasty game where people are scratching each other's backs. And so, you know, the musicians who are like, no, hell no, we won't go. You know, you have Bob mm -hmm. Dylan, you have you have Marvin Gaye, you know, speaking about these truths that my God, Sam Cooke, that people aren't willing to hear. You know, what does Bob Marley say? How long shall they kill our prophets while we stand around and look? I mean, yeah. these, these songs are still resonant with us today. They're still with us. It's so wild. I mean, so here, I'm just going to touch on it because you already took us there. I, I, in my notes, I have James Brown, I'm Black and I'm Proud, ties in the BLM movement from the 60s. Bob Marley, until the philosophy which holds one race superior and another inferior is finally and permanently discredited and abandoned, everywhere is war. And finally, like you said, Sam Cooke, Change is Coming. These are 50-year-old songs that might as well have been written yesterday. And you know what, Rashawn? My students, when they hear them, they're like, my God, this is like today. And yeah. I'm like, isn't that tragic and real? It it, I, and I, that is the that is such the appropriate word. It's tragic because because, I mean, while the clock keeps on spinning, it doesn't feel like we're moving anywhere. No, I hate to say that. I mean, you know, I'm a child of the 60s and I'd like to think that we can we actually contributed something. And I think we did. The music has been there all along talking mm -hmm. to us about race and class and gender. It's been there all along. The, the sadness is, is that people just have not listened and have not learned you i you know as a as a sociology professor do you think we're spoiled do you think it's part of i mean we, you know here we are in the midst of a pandemic but a lot of us myself included didn't didn't need to change much because my work transitioned i'm at home now speaking to you in front of a computer we are our privileges have almost blinded us is that is that a fair thing to say oh it's 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 sad but true our privileges, whether they're class-based or race-based or even gender-based, 
have made us blind to the oppression of others. And that's why these musicians being willing to stand up and say, look, look at the destruction of of the American middle class at Springsteen, you know, look what's happening in Central America. That's you too. You know, these artists have all along been willing to say, look what's going on. Look at what, you know, my gosh, you just mentioned James Brown. Oh my gosh, Nina Simone, James Brown, mm. talking about the Klan. Richie Havens, one of the first African-American folk rockers talking about the Klan. I play that song for my students. They freak out. They're like, there's a song about the Ku Klux Klan. I'm like, yes. There's probably many a songs about the Ku Klux Klan. So what is so when you when your students sign up, what is the one thing that you hope as, as a professor when you say like, oh, that was a successful, a successful semester? What is it that you hope they take away? I want them to understand that the music around them is constantly speaking in their ear about what's going on in the culture, even from the trivialities or, you know, just the sex and drugs and rock and roll, which is fine, but also about bigger issues that if you just listen to it, you'll hear the culture speaking to you and you can hear it today. That's that's the big message is don't don't assume that just because something's on a radio or it's on a CD or whatever on an MP3 file that it's not really speaking to you because it basically generally is. I, I love that. We have we have one of the we have one of the things that we talk about. Uh, our my my uh, co-host Tamrika, she's in Uzbekistan right now, and and she was uh, she did a dispatch, and it talked about. It talked about, you know, some of the things, some of the questions that uh, I, I don't want to say Uzbekistanians. I'm not sure what, what they consider themselves. But basically, they were just, you know, asking, what is life like in America? And they just went on, you know, to ask some of the things like, how free are you and things like that. And, and I think I think there's a misconception that we are a lot freer than we actually are. And I think it's the artists who really go out and do a good job of explaining, like, maybe we aren't as free as we think. I think that uh, that's absolutely correct. Uh, uh, people might assume uh, in Eastern Europe, you know, or even in, in, in Europe that we're a very free, free society, but uh, our freedoms have been whittled away. And, and by the way, our freedoms have always been under fire. I mean, think mm -hmm. about it, you know, from civil rights to George Floyd, come on. You know, how much has really changed? You know, how, how much of police behavior has changed? How much of our civil society and our, and by the way, journalism has been whittled away. People don't even trust the news anymore. They don't even trust. I mean, my students don't trust the news. You know, what, who do they trust? They ask me, who do you trust? That's pretty sad. Mm -hmm. So, so what is it? Is it something about, how, how do I ask this? It's, what is it about the American values? What is it? What are we losing? What are we what are we losing and what are we fighting for? Ah, my gosh, that's a huge question. I believe we're fighting for justice, for justice for all. The thing that we were supposedly founded about, even though we were founded as a slave owning nation. Right. Uh, and, and, and we were so far beyond everybody being equal. But that is what I think we're fighting for. La lucha, the struggle. Right. Mm. Uh, for justice, for social justice. And what have we lost? I think we've lost our innocence. I think we've lost our trust. I think we've lost our belief. I've, I've never seen so many students so worried, so con confused, and so literally lost. Who am I? What am I? What does this country stand for? You know, usually when you speak to a freshman class, they're like, yes, America really stands for values. Now, not so much. They don't trust leaders. I mean, they're afraid to talk about leadership. We, we had a discussion about favorite and least favorite presidents in history, and no one wanted to talk about the last two presidents, Biden and Trump. No one. And I said, what's going on with that? And this is a class of 230 students. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. And they were like, we just don't. They didn't even want to go there because it's, it's become almost like a, a, a black hole. You know, right. it's, like, it's like this vacuum that they don't it, really know how to approach. Do you think it's because of how, you know, I want to say it's successful. Politicians have been successful at really make 
putting us against each other. And so it, it's such a, a, a hard co- topic to really balance because you, you, you're just so it feels like we're pitted against each other. It feels like if you say the wrong things, it, you know, if if you try and say anything about a black person or a Spanish person or a white person, whatever that looks like and whatever the conversation is shaped, you're racist or you're hateful or you're you're you're, you're a, a lefty or things like that. And you think that's part of it? Like we're we're caused to, you know, it, it causes us to not to want to be as open as we should be. Yes, I think people are afraid to speak their minds. And I think understandably because they're being judged for it. Um, I've I've been working very hard with my students to at least give people a chance to say their piece. You don't have mm-hmm. to agree with them, but we actually have to learn to get along with each other. Students love to just target and hate. Mm-hmm. And what I'm trying to teach them is, okay, you might disagree with that person. Fine. I disagree with my own family members. I'm sure we all do. How do we fashion an actual democracy, a place where we're actually talking to each other? Where do we go from there? And, you know, it's a valuable lesson to learn. We actually have to speak to each other across lines and across differences. And by the way, we can fight for the things that matter to us, rage against the machine. But we also have to understand that our own friends and family are believing things that we don't believe. I mean, talk about disillusioning. Imagine right. trying to talk to a parent or a brother who doesn't agree with you at all. Right. Right. Yeah. I, it, it's got to be it's got to be so hard, especially especially as you come into terms of finding your own voice, finding who you are in, in society and in, in your social circle. So I'm sure it's hard. How how do our choices of music reflect what we know about our country? Oh, wow. I think that that's a that's a huge question, because I think that even trust me on this, I think even the most privileged and unaware people are listening to music that is cool. Right. I mean, I've got students who are like, oh, I love Rage Against the Machine, who have no clue about their own privilege. Mm -hmm. But but I believe like Seamus Heaney. Right. This Irish poet said that the music gives us a doorway, especially as educators and as programmers like you, to really start to speak about real issues. The music has that ability to produce that awareness so that you can say to the kid, oh, so what do you think of Rage Against the Machine's song? You know, then mm-hmm. you wake up, you know, what do you think that song was about? When you start to unpack the music, I mean, can I tell you, I had students taking the rock and roll class in the first week who were like, I thought this was gonna be fun. And I'm like, you know, dude, you can't teach about rock with rock and roll without race. You can't right. teach about rock and roll about without gender. What do you think, Little Richard and David Bowie? You know, what do you think that's about? You know, um, you can't talk about that without social class. So, over time, they start to realize I was in some kind of bubble, and you know, you're taking them out of their bubble. People don't like always getting out of their bubble. Yeah, it it's so true. It, it's I think it's uncomfortable. You know, we have this. It's interesting. It's interesting that in 2022, we have this I'm finger quoting for the people who can't see me, uh, that being woke is a bad thing. And I and I just I, I want to say so whoever's listening right now, I, I have started listening to music with the words for the simple fact that I want to know what they're talking about. I want to know. And if that and to me, that is part of being woke. Being woke is being aware of what's going on around you. I don't know when it's it's taken on this negative connotation. You know, it's it's funny. I'm a sidetrack real quick. I just watched the new Matrix and the whole premise 20 years ago was taking the pill. So you wake up and that was such a pivotal moment. And now 20 years later, it's frowned upon, you know. But can I say, can I say, yeah, yeah, please. Part of it, part of it is because people are they're not really woke and they're saying they're woke. So. I got to be honest, the term is making my headache because I don't think you can ever really be woke. You always have to work on yourself. And like I tell my students, you're not woke. Hell no. You know, you're just finding your way. Me, I'm not woke either. Right. We're literally just literally taking baby steps on these issues. And our privilege, as you say, blinds us. So true. And for them to say, I'm woke and I want to be woke. Oh, it drives me nuts because they honestly don't even understand that. They don't even understand what that means. 
Yeah, it's so it's funny you say that, Teresa, because I have a tattoo that says temple under construction. (laughs) And, you know, and what that means is to me, it's I'm always working. You know, I'm never you know, when I stop learning is the minute they they bury me and put me under the ground. Until then, I'm always going to be working on my temple. Yes. And there's no there's no time period when you are fully, I guess, maybe death. I mean, you know, you're not fully woke. You how many times have I said to myself, I didn't even think of that. And how old am I? How many years have I been teaching over 30 years? And mm-hmm. I still say in my class, my gosh, I never thought of it that way. You know, if, if yeah. you really need to keep, keep working on yourself. And, and it's so, so well, true. It's, it's, it's become so hit. It's overused. It, it's overused. You're listening to Radioactive on KRCL. I'm Rashawn Leak. We're talking about race and class in America with Teresa Martinez, professor of rock and roll at the University of Utah. Her annual class on the sociology of rock and roll started this week. I have a here's a here's a something that I, I, I want to read to you. It's from Jason Isbell. Uh, just in case anybody who's listening doesn't know who Jason Isbell. Here's a learning session today, Tuesday. You get to learn today, y'all. So he's from the drive by truckers. And what he put is. He's tired of country's love affair with white nostalgia. And that's from a BuzzFeed article. And Laura will put that in the show notes. And here's what really stuck out at me. I think it's possible to acknowledge that you have benefited from a system that's unequal without feeling shame or even guilt from it. And I think that's huge. I Like, where, why are we so far from that thought process? I think we're far from it because uh, people are resisting it with all of their might. Imagine, we just had a presidential election where for the first time in my lifetime, which is quite a stretch, um, I'm sorry, the first time we've ever said, nope, that wasn't the correct you know, result. I, I told my students, I've never seen that before. I've never, even though we hated Nixon, even though we despised Ronald Reagan, even though we might've you know, disagreed with Bush and Bush the second, we never said that, except for maybe that hanging Without, chat election, right? Yeah, okay, yep. However, there are millions of people who believe that the election was not fair and rigged. And um, it has created this extraordinary rift, this abyss of a rift between people. And we're living in one of the strangest times I've ever seen. And I've lived through civil rights. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's bad. Although I have to say, when, you, when I look back on that time, the killing of Dr. King, oh, my God, the killing of Malcolm X, uh, yeah, I was alive during this. My mother, my father, my brothers and sisters went through hell. They're old, older than I am. I'm the youngest of 12. And that's real hell, right? Now it's more, I can recognize that I'm extremely privileged in comparison to a lot of people who, like you said, they're not, they're not on Zoom. They're, they're out there in the trenches getting sick and um, they're working at the meatpacking plants and et cetera. Um, we don't really see our privilege. We, 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 it's completely invisible to us. And that's all of us really that have the ability to do this kind of work, to do this kind of work where we can, Oh, I don't think I'll go to work today. Um, Our, our rifts are real and they're widening. That's what I'm seeing. Yeah. I I read an article that was talking about the United States and and it was really just talking about how the first time in decades we're, we're considered a declining democracy. And yeah, yeah. I, I paused and really, you know, it's one of those, one of those coming to Jesus moments where I read it over and read it over just because like, I don't know if people fully grasp what that means for a society. I don't think they do. I asked my students that when we came to the last section of the class on social change, and we were talking about Oswald Spengler and the decline of the West and the decline of Rome. And the and I said, are we are we in decline? And most of the class said we were. And those are 18 year olds. It's it's wild. I want to I I know I'm touching on Jason Isbell again, but it's one of the things that I, I think is interesting as an artist. What he has decided to do is he's decided uh, to feature, I think last month he's, he was opening in the Ryman. Ryman is uh, considered the mother church of country music uh, in Nashville. And he has let all, all female black musicians open for him. And, it, and what basically what he's doing is, it, you know, he's recognizing that 
you know, I'm a gifted musician and I have I have an audience and I want to to make way for these artists who, who should never be opening for him is what he said. These huge, huge in life stars should in their own right be on the side of him. Instead, he's giving them a space. And do you think there's going to be a time when more people recognize like because it feels like that's what we need. We need more people recognizing that I need I need to create space. I need to step aside and create space for other people to come through these doors. Okay, so on the positive side of things, which we haven't looked at too much, people really are doing that. People right. really are doing that. And I I see it in my students. I see it in their work, in what they write. At the end of class in the fall, in my Exploring Inequality Through Music and Film class, uh, a Latinx student who's queer, he, he raised his hand after a series of songs and he said, well, I just wonder if the white students in here are even listening. And I said, you know what? They are. And I'll tell you why, because I'm reading their words in their assignments and their mm. papers. And one of the students wrote in their evaluation or in their final, he wrote, thank you for saying that, you know, like we, we, we do listen, we are listening. I really do think that we're focusing a lot on the worst aspects of it, which are real, but just as it was in civil rights, there are all those extraordinary you know, kindnesses, fairnesses, equitable, you know, there are people doing really hard and great work. Mm -hmm. And we can't forget that because, you know, like sometimes when my nieces get in touch, I'm like, oh my God, it's so depressing. Well, look at this, look at what these people are doing. They're giving their time, their effort, their love, their strength, everything. I'm reminded of our Native Daughters Collective, which you probably know of. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Uh, Ellison Russell, her song, Kashiba Kashiba, which is, it's about an enslaved ancestor. I close my rock and roll song with that. I start with Ma Rainey and I end with uh, African-American women. And that song, it made most of the class cry on the last day about the strength, the strength of these women who survived and had children and Oh my gosh. And, and birthed generations. I, I love that. I think you touched on something earlier that, you know, it's the hard part is, and this is for me, this is just me speaking for me is it's so easy to find the negative because it's being force fed it, like everywhere, everything you turn on, you know, everywhere you look, you know, it's always like, you know, doom and gloom, doom and gloom. And so I, I understand when your students are like, well, well, Miss Martinez, where do you go to find the positives? Because you really have to search. And I'm not talking about your just a run of mill Google search. I mean, you really have to go deep and down to find that positive. And I know it's out there, but it's just harder to find sometimes, I feel like. It very much is. Of course, for some, by the way, I think all of us have someone in our own personal history. For me, my mother, a single mother of 12, little mm. Mexican kids. You know, um, a single mother of 12. I get my get my students to kind of like get that in their head. Um, on the last day, I talk about her and I tell them, you know, how did she do it? She brought the spirit of Martin and Malcolm into our home and Cesar mm-hmm. too, right? You know, so she brought all of this to us and it was her strength. It was her love that that gave us this. Honestly, I think if we think we might be able to find someone who's close to us, who we can say, my goodness, this person is living a life of, of kindness and respect and giving. And I, I, I think they're there. I think that we don't even have to look into social media too far, although it's there too. Yeah. But remember your grandmother, remember mm. your grandfather. Think of the people who've sacrificed, who've, you know, served in, in wars overseas in World War II, like my dad and my uncles, or served in Vietnam, like my brothers. You know, it's, it's, it's right there for you. All you have to do is open your eyes. I think that's I think that's such a good call. And it's such a reminder for myself. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm only always trying to speak for myself. And it's you know, we get caught up. You look and you're looking for this, you know, like not just not to sound ridiculous, but you're looking for this aha moment and this awakening. And it's and it's not necessarily that like that, like that. Well, you know, every now and again, it happens to us or happens around us. But really, it's small things. It, it's we have to look for the small the small little wins and it's, and you add them up and you add them up. And that's how it becomes big monumental wins. I feel like, am I, am I far off Teresa? 
No, you're you're right on. Um, hey, which is something that came from my background in the seventies, right? <laughs> on, you know, I love it. Far far out. You know, uh, to be honest, I think that we try very hard to find the epic, but really, it's it's just in you know, hey, how are you treating that child? How mm. are you treating that that older person? How are you treating your spouse? How are you treating your partner? Are you treating your children? Those really are, you know, when I think of my mother, and I often do, who I lost when I was 23 years old, I think about a person who she said to me, Teresa, we, I didn't have time to worry about any of it. I just had to, yeah. I had to be there for you, I had to be there for you. And we need to, we need to start thinking of other people and thinking of how we can help them and be there for them. I love that. I love that. Well, it has been a pleasure speaking to you, but, but before I let you go, two things. One, I know that you are about to get flooded with people asking to sit in your class. So how do they find you? Well, just come on over. Well, okay. Contact me. <laughs> uh, look me up, Teresa.Martinez at Utah.edu, but just look me up at the University of Utah website and you can email me and just say, hey, Teresa, would you, would you let me, you know, come into my class? And, and you know what? Just Put on your mask and come on mm -hmm. in and you are most welcome. I'd love to have visitors to the rock and roll class. I love it. All right. And last recommendations for our listeners. What should they be listening to reading or seeing out there? Mm -hmm. uh, Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson. That is a must read. That book should be read by everybody. Brian Stevenson, Just Mercy. Um, and there's a lot of great books out there, but that's that's number one for me. Uh, what should they be listening to? Take a listen to some of this really great progressive hip hop. And I'm talking about Kendrick and I'm talking about mm. Chance and I'm talking about Joey, Joey Badass and uh, LP and Killer Mike. There's some great hip hop out there. Yeah, there is. And there's also some great, oh my God, Women, Our Native Daughters Collective. I mean, there's, hey, great work from Adele and Billie Eilish and all those great people, Megan Thee Stallion, Cardi B. But listen to Our Native Daughters Collective. They, they're fantastic. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Teresa, for taking time out of your schedule to hang out and talk to us on Roundtable Tuesdays. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to spend time with you, Ishan. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. And that's our show. My thanks to Professor Martinez, Tamrika Katisiashvili, and Laura Jones for joining me tonight. I'm Rashawn Leek. If you like the show, please share it. It's now posted online at krcl.org. Email me ideas for the show too. put my name in the subject line. Then tell me the people, the places and the things you'd like to hear about. The email is radioactive at krcl.org. And I got a bit of time. So here's that song from the professor. Kashiba Kashiba by our native daughters collective on KRCL, Y'all have a great night. Talk to you soon. <laughs>